This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Breakfast with TT. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Power 98.7. 10 minutes, or make that 8 minutes, rather, before 8 on the power breakfast. So the Democratic Alliance leader, John Stienazen, has come out, has accused the African National Congress-led government of turning the union buildings into a crime scene where the dreams of millions of South Africans have been betrayed. Mr. Stienazen was speaking on Saturday at the launch of the party's election manifesto on the lawns of the union buildings. Uh, he said the choice of the union buildings for the launch was to show that it is the party is ready to take over. The party leader also expressed confidence in the multi-party charter and seating the governing ANC come elections. Let's speak to the DA's federal chairperson, Helen Zilla, who joins us on the line. Good morning to you, Helen Zilla, and thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure, Tabi. So good morning to you and good morning to all your listeners. Well, what do you know? I learned something new these day, uh, on Saturday that the DA has its own struggle songs. We've always had our struggle songs. Giji, 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 ma. We know that song backwards. We just put Sounds like words. appropriation there. <laughs> no, no, definitely not appropriation. Okay. Nancy appropriated it from us. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, right. <laughs> we, we won't go down that route then. Shall we start no. then? I just wanted to, before we delve into what came up, what there was said about in the manifesto launch there, um, today is a deadline, and now you as a party have set uh, 5 p.m. as a deadline uh, for the ANC to hand over these records of the deploy- CADA deployment committee here. First of all, I mean... Do you, I mean, you've gone to great lengths to try and get your hands on these records. Are you sure that they even exist? Yes, they do exist. I mean, they've been referred to by the ANC in many areas. They said they didn't exist, but then we found a reference to the minutes Mm. of the Cater Deployment Committee, so we knew they did exist. And so we subpoenaed them under the Access to Information Act. Mm. Very important for us to see what's in there because this is the way the ANC captured the state, through the deployment committee. But even if it does exist, I mean, how comprehensive do you expect it to be? And what can you uh, glean from it? What are you hoping to glean out of it? Well, we will see what their minutes look like when we get them. But it will be very interesting to see exactly how the mechanics of state capture worked. Mm. We know, for example, that the deployment committee even discussed deployment of judges to the bench Mm. and that would be the most outrageous violation of the constitutional principle of separating the party from the state Mm. and especially separating the executive from the judiciary Mm. the judiciary always has to be fully independent for a democracy to work and we are we know that the ANC deployment committee discussed deployments to the bench Mm. And we want to expose that kind of thing fully so that South Africans can realize that by voting for a party that does that, they're voting for corruption, state capture and criminality. All right, let's delve a little bit into the elections now and the manifesto launch. Uh, How significant do you see this election being? I think it almost seems as if every uh, election that comes around is touted as a landmark uh, election. But uh, this is an election where, by by if the polling is anything to go by, most of the polls that have been run seem to suggest that uh, the ANC will experience significant losses. Uh, um, You know, 
how do you rate the importance of this particular election? Well, you've answered your own question, really, uh, Tabiso. That this election is going to be the first in which we believe the ANC will drop below 50%. So in that sense, it will be a landmark election. And then, of course, the other parties have a chance to put together a coalition government. And that is what we're aiming to do. That said as well, I mean, you yourselves as a party are under, if I could use the word, under threat. And that, uh, that some of the polling has also shown, and even if we're, some of the by-elections are anything to go by, most recent by-elections, that there could be uh, erosion of support in some of your strongholds, in the, in the Western Cape in particular. We never ever complacent in the DA. We always know that we have to fight every by-election hard. But you can't confuse a by-election with a general election. I think it's important to know that. And we will obviously do our very best to shore up our our support. We're the only party that has shown that it knows how to govern, that where we govern, things get better for everyone, and most particularly the poor. In the Western Cape, it's the only province where eight out of ten people have a job, which is absolutely fantastic. And, of course, that benefits the poor people the most. We have the most generous package of free basic services and other services to support the poor. So the poor are far better off in DA-run governments because we don't steal the money. And that is the point that we have to keep making because it's the truth. And we have to get things across that if people want life to improve for everyone, the DA is the best option. I mean, you say that about uh, the how DAs uh, run provinces, uh, well, at least the uh, municipality and so forth. Uh, you are seeing that, uh, um, you know, better services for the poor or better support for the poor. You don't, uh, what, regardless of what you put forward, it doesn't seem you'll ever shake this tag of saying that, no, 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 the DA advances the interests of uh, the, the privileged in the suburban areas of Cape Town, that if you compare that to what's happening in the townships in the, in the Western Cape, it's not, the, it's not the same. Well, you must distinguish between what the government does for people and what people do for themselves. Now, if you look at government spending and what the government spends on people in Cape Town and the Western Cape, you will see that we raise a lot of money by rates and taxes from people living in the wealthier suburbs. But we spend the money in the poorer areas. And there's massive cross-subsidization. So in a very, very upmarket suburb, let's say like Camps Bay, the government of, of Cape Town and the Western Cape spends almost nothing. It's the people there. They get their houses, they upgrade their houses, they look after their environment, they do all of those things. And then they pay an enormous amount to Cape Town City Council so Cape Town City Council can subsidize services to the poor. If you look at where Cape Town gets its income from, its revenue, and if you look at where it spends its revenue, you will see how little it spends in the upmarket suburbs and how much it spends subsidizing services for the poor. How do you see the, uh, I'm curious to hear how you see the fragmentation of a vote impacting on the DEA, the proliferation of new parties that we're seeing? Yes, that is a very important question, Tabiso. Proportional representation systems almost always result in the proliferation and fragmentation of the voter base into smaller parties. But of course, then we can see the results. 
If you're trying to put together a nine or ten party coalition in Johannesburg or in Nelson Mandela Bay, for example, as we try to do, the result is always chaotic. If people want stable, good governance, they cannot choose to split their vote amongst all these tiny parties because then they will never have good and stable governance. In that kind of context, you can only have chaos. And when you have chaos, life gets worse for everybody because the government can't deliver to the people. So in terms of the multi-party chart, as a final question, is that a set-in-stone coalition uh, or is there even an agreement in as far as coalition is concerned within the multi-party charter? Everybody in the multi-party charter agrees that if we can form a government after the election, we will do so. Yes, that was what we have agreed to, but it's certainly not cast in stone. Mm. Obviously, the membership is open to newcomers who share the same values and the same principles. But yes, we have committed to forming governments where we can after the election. To the exclusion, of course, of certain parties, I think the, the, the EFF that you said you have categorically stated you would not work with. Now, of course, we can't work with the EFF. They have a political philosophy that will take South Africa into a totalitarian failed state. Every place in the world that has been tried has led to total disaster. And, you know, I mean, if South Africans want to see how it's like, they must just continue on the path they're continuing in some provinces to see what totalitarianism looks like. They won't like it. It's not pretty. Helen Zeta, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much for coming on this morning. Thanks a lot. Go well, Tabi. That is the DA's federal chairperson, Helen Zilla. It's a minute after eight. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.